Welcome to the Essential Church Podcast. Our goal is to strengthen and equip church and ministry leaders just like you through practical and theological discussions about some of the most pressing and important issues facing the local church today. We feature conversations with members of our team here at New Life Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado, as well as interviews with authors and thinkers from around the world. You can follow The Essential.Church on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Watch episodes on our YouTube channel and also subscribe to our podcast via iTunes and Spotify, where you'll find a full archive of previous conversations. And now here is this week's episode of The Essential Church Podcast. Welcome to this episode of The Essential Church Podcast, an ongoing conversation about some of the most important issues facing the local church today. I'm your host, Andrew Arndt. And today I want to take you to the first of a two-part interview that I did with Pastor Brady on the conversation of how do we attract and keep strong and capable leaders. New Life Church is a place where we have many such leaders, and that's a question that's been coming up for Pastor Brady quite often lately. And so this is the first of a two-part conversation. In this first conversation, uh, we talk about the kind of environment that you want to create uh, that allows your leaders to thrive and flourish. And then in the second one, we talk about what we're looking for in the leaders that we're hiring. Can't wait to have you uh, hear this conversation. So without further commentary from me, here's the interview. Well, Brady, one of the conversations that uh, we're having a lot lately is a conversation around what uh, good, strong, healthy leadership looks like at the local church level. And I love our church because we are jammed to the gills with so many amazing leaders. And I know that this is a question that you're getting a lot from leaders around the country. Like, what are you guys doing at New Life to attract these folks and keep them? And so we've been talking about this as a staff. I thought it'd be fun to sit down for a couple minutes here and just unpack some of your thoughts around this. How yeah. do we attract and keep uh, capable leaders? Well, this is a great conversation. And every um, every leader that I know wants other leaders around them. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is that I, I, I'm finding that most churches and some organizations, so if you're listening today and you run a small business or maybe you're a leader of a, a for-profit company, these principles that we're going to talk about today apply not only to the church, but to the corporate world, to the world at large. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm finding that those people who are intentional about creating the right environments are the ones that are attracting and keeping good leaders. Mm-hmm. The problem is we all want good leaders, mm-hmm. but we don't want to do the work in in anticipation of their arrival. Mm. And uh, first of all, let me say this to every pastor that's, that's listening, because I hear this a lot. They say, well, Pastor Brady, of course you're getting good leaders. You're a big church. You have a lot of resources. You're in Colorado. And so it's just easy for you. Right. And I said, that's not true. Mm-hmm. It's not true. Uh, that money or resources is not enough. It's not mm-hmm. enough. There there has to be an intentional uh, process that you buy into. Yeah. And sometimes it takes one, two, three, four, five years of yeah. cultivating yeah. the right conditions in your church or organization in order to, get, to attract and keep good leaders. And that's what we want to talk about today. What do we do that's intentional to create this space. Yeah, so much of what we're experiencing now really is the harvest of a number of years of cultivate, cultivating the right kind of environment. So let's unpack that for a bit. What kind of an environment do we need to create well, to let attract me, these leaders? Well, one more thought real quick. It is God's will for yeah. every church to have good leaders. Yeah. Let's just think about this for a minute. If God is the one who started the church— yeah. And I'm talking about your church, the one that the pastor who's listening today. Yep. If if your church was God's idea, then it's God's idea for good leaders to be in your church. Mm-hmm. 
Well, the first question I would ask from pastors, CEO, uh, uh, leaders of nonprofits or corporations is, are you a healthy leader? Right. Because we tend to attract the kind of people we are. Mm. As much as we don't, as much as we think we're a healthy leader, the healthiest leaders I know are the ones who are uh, self-aware mm-hmm. and are self-reflective mm-hmm. and are asking the deep personal questions about their own soul mm-hmm. uh, before anyone else does. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's easy to point out the flaws of a leader, but I, I, I found I found this to be true for 26 years now. If I will judge myself, yep. other people won't have to judge me. Right. And so the, the, what I'm asking for every pastor to consider right now, are you a healthy leader? Mm-hmm. Are you easy to be around? Mm-hmm. Are you a, a non-anxious presence mm-hmm. when you're in the room? Uh, are people at ease around you? Mm-hmm. Do you have fun? Yeah. Are you a joyful person, a yeah. positive person? Uh, is your soul in good shape? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you... Are you the kind of leader that encourages other people to thrive and flourish around you? Yep. Uh, have you wrestled your own insecurities to the ground? Because this is what's keeping most leaders from attracting other good mm-hmm. leaders is their own mm-hmm. insecurities, mm-hmm. The, the need to be at the top, the need to be in the spotlight all the time. Mm-hmm. Are you okay when mm-hmm. these other leaders come around you mm-hmm. if they're very successful? What happens if they're wildly successful? Right. What happens if they flourish? Right. Are you okay with that? God forbid somebody becomes more popular than you. What do you do then? You're right. We pray, say, yes. dear God, yes. send me great leaders. Then he sends you a great leader yep. and you uh, you fail to help them flourish. So the problem is if, if you don't help leaders flourish, mm-hmm. is it possible that God in heaven mm-hmm. looks down at your organization and says, I cannot trust that organization. You're with- mess up that person's life. Yeah, well, I've been preparing this leader over here. If I send them to you, this derails their calling. I'm not interested in that. So why would I send good leaders to That's your right. organization if you're not going to be good stewards of good leaders? Yeah. And so what we've decided here is let's let's create a culture and an environment where young men and women, uh, older men and women, it doesn't matter age necessarily, but canned leaders, can leaders of renown, can mm-hmm. leaders with vision and strategy and ideas, can they come here and mm-hmm. can they find a place at the table? So mm-hmm. the first question to ask though mm-hmm. is, are you a healthy leader? Do you yeah. have emotional health? Yeah. And right now, we're, you know, we're coming out of two years of pandemic and two years of, of chaos and confusion. And I'm finding that a lot of leaders right now, their emotional health is pretty yeah. bad right now. Yeah. They're, they're all over the map. They're tired. They're exhausted. And probably now is not a good time to be adding to your team if you haven't taken time yourself to get healed and whole. Yeah. Uh, so make sure you take good care of yourself first, and then the Lord will trust you with other people. I, I'm going to bear witness to this. You know, Mandy and I moved here about five years ago and uh, left a church that we loved and a work that we loved, and we would not have come to a new environment unless we really trusted what was going on here. And I remember telling people at the time, these people are some of the healthiest people I've been around. And the weird thing about New Life Church is that the more I get to know the people at it and the more I get to know the leadership, the healthier it gets. It doesn't get toxic the closer to the center you get. It gets healthier the closer you get to the center. So it made it a trustworthy place for us, and we've certainly thrived uh, the last five or so years. I'm curious if you don't mind expanding for a couple minutes here, Brady. When you think about your own personal health as a leader, if you had to boil it down to a couple things that you're really intent on managing that keep you healthy as a leader, because really it does spill out to the whole organization. When I think about everybody that's involved with us. It starts with you, and then we've got Glenn and Daniel and the rest of the senior team, and it just moves out from there. So we're all watching you and taking, following your lead. What are the things that you're doing that are like your most important management points for your own personal health? 
Well, thank you, first of all, for the kind words. And we're glad you and Mandy came here. We and, love being here. And y'all, you guys added to the health of our team. You didn't take away from it. You added to it. And I appreciate the way you did that. You've come in and built healthy teams of your own, and that's a reflection of your health. Uh, there's two things that, that I have done that keep myself whole. Number one, Jesus is the source of, my, uh, of yeah. all my needs. Yeah. I don't get my needs met from church. Mm. I don't get my or from church ministry. Yeah. Now the church itself is obviously a big part of my life, but I'm talking about my who I am and what I need doesn't yeah. come from what I do. Like your deep emotional needs. Yes. Yeah. And so if, needs. if you don't, this is going to sound so simple. Mm. I mean, it's 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 unbelievably simplistic what I'm about to say, but Jesus should be enough for us. Mm -hmm. And then once you wrestle that to the ground, mm -hmm. church life, pastoral ministry, the work that we do, yeah. it's hard, it's difficult, it's, it's cumbersome sometimes, yeah. it's extremely tiring and difficult. But when your needs are getting met from the deep well of Jesus, yeah. then church life I can get refueled. You yes. see? But if I depend on the church right. to refuel me right. or to give me my identity, I'm going to, I'm going to burn. I'm yeah. going to fall. I'm, I, I can't keep going. Yep. So this is what I tell pastors, stay in love with Jesus mm. and nothing else. Mm -hmm. Make sure you have a healthy, robust, personal relationship with Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And it's that simple. Every pastor that I know who's gone through a moral failure yeah. or some type of implosion or some kind of uh, just corruption or scandal, they all say back to me, this is, this is going to sound super easy, they said, I remember when I started my slide toward failure is the day that I stopped praying. He said that they just, they just started living a prayerless life. And when you start leading a prayerless life, you're headed toward disaster. Yeah. It may take weeks, months, it may even take a decade. Yeah. But that's, that's the slippery slope we have as pastors. Is mm -hmm. We get so good at doing church work that we forget who we're working with and for. And we're we working an with Jesus. Yeah. And we make an idol out of the ministry. Yes. You shall and have no other gods before you, the first commandment. And that is the one that we break the moment we stop praying and staying in love with Jesus. And that's the reason it's number one. Yeah. Because everything else is impossible without number one. Yeah. And when you, when you, uh, this is what I've done and I, I'm not always good at it. I mean, I'm, we all have, we have ups and downs and it, just like in marriage, uh, you know, it's the same way in our, it looks like our relationship with Jesus. It can be great one day and then you're working hard at it the next day and it seems easy the third day. So, yeah. but stay with it. That's right. All right. That's the first, first thing. One, yeah. Second thing I would say to leaders is are you living a life of good rhythm? Yeah. So here's, I, I believe in working hard. I really yeah. do. Yeah. I believe in being thoughtful. I believe mm. in being organized. I believe in structures and systems and processes. I believe in planning my work and working my plan. I believe waking up every day with a goal in mind. So I work hard. Yeah. I work well, but I also rest well. Mm -hmm. And a lot of pastors have mastered the art of working hard, mm -hmm. but they're terrible at resting. Mm -hmm. In fact, I was with a group of pastors in El Salvador just last week, and they're just godly guys. They mm -hmm. have men and women that have just gone through the worst two years. If you think what we've gone through in America has been difficult the last two years, uh, Central and South America have really been, it's been difficult. I mean, the poverty, uh, the violence, uh, the uncertainty in their world has added to the burden of their pastoral calling in a way I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. This one pastor said to me, though, he said, Pastor Brady, how can we rest? The devil doesn't rest. <laughs> He said, I tell my people, we don't rest because the devil doesn't rest. 
So I listened to him, and this is in front of like 20 or 30 very significant pastors in El Salvador. He said this, and I, I listened to him because I really wanted to hear what he was saying. And he's a young guy. You know, he was yeah. less than 40 yeah. years old, so he was still trying to figure some stuff out. And he was, well, we don't rest because the devil doesn't rest. And he got a lot of energy still. Oh, my gosh. He, and Yeah, but I'll tell you the whole story. But see, so after he got through, I said, well, I said, the devil is not my example. <laughs> I said, yes, it's true that the devil may not rest. Yeah. I said, but Jesus rested. Yeah. And I, I took him to Luke chapter 5, and I said, uh, you know, that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I yeah. said, so my, my pattern, my example is not Satan. Yes, if Satan is your example, then you should work nonstop, right. 24 hours a day, and never sleep because that's what he's doing. Yes. But Jesus rested, I said, sure. because by faith he knew that the ultimate victory had been won. And so, listen, we rest by faith. We work by faith. Everything we do is by faith. Wow. And so I tell pastors, listen, if you don't know how to rest well, ultimately you will not work well. Yeah. What we think is that by, by not resting, we're actually getting more work done. Right. Actually, by not resting, you're getting less work done. Well, Eugene Peterson talks about this over and over again, that we don't rest in order to fuel up for our work, but we rest as a statement of faith that God is the one that's running the world. And so our rest is actually the first part of our life, and our work comes out of our rest. And it's in that way that we enter into the Matthew 11, the light yoke of Jesus. Jesus yes. is, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I always tell people, Jesus says this, that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now that's either true or Jesus is not the son of God. <laughs> he's lying to us. But I think he's resurrected. He is the son of God. He's telling us the truth. So if it doesn't feel easy and light, it's either that we're carrying weight that we shouldn't carry or we're carrying it in the wrong way. That's we're carrying out of striving or ambition or envy or whatever. So we have to reevaluate our relationship to it. But I think you're right. That's the two things that have sustained us here at New Life. And it's a, I think it's, I think, I hope, I pray it's deeply embedded into our culture by now. I've been yeah. here 14 and a half years is that we keep Jesus at the center of everything we do. Yeah. His, his death, burial, and resurrection, and his soon return is everything. And then secondly, we work well, we stay, we stay focused, and but we know how to rest well as, and by faith. And yeah. so those two things are, are paramount yeah. here. Now, there's a there is so that's the personal health of the yes. leader that creates this soil, okay? Now I'm about to talk about something that most pastors don't even consider. Mm. When they when pastors say, Dear Jesus, I need good leaders, please send me great leaders, I need more leaders, I need more volunteers. The question I would ask is, are you a healthy leader? And you and I have just talked about that in, in some complexity. Now, here's the second thing, though. Is your organization and church a place where healthy conflict can happen? Yep, here you go. Past, listen, all the pastors that are listening to me, leadership is conflict. Yes. If you, if you cannot deal with healthy conflict, you cannot lead. And I love the Steve Jobs quote, if you want to make everyone happy, sell ice cream. <laughs> right. But if you want to lead, it's going to require yes. conflict. Now, I do a lot of coaching, and uh, what I'm finding, there are a lot of pastors who are introverts, who are studious, they're quiet, they're thoughtful, they're smart, they love studying, mm -hmm. they love preparing text and sermons and and all those things, and that's great. I wish I were more like that. Um, however, 
Where they fail is when they open their office door and walk out into the reality of their church, mm-hmm. and there's conflict. Mm-hmm. The youth pastor is mad at the children's pastor. The children's pastor is mad at the worship pastor, and everybody's mad at the senior pastor. So the the point is, is that if you can't walk out of your office mm-hmm. and deal with conflict, yep. I don't care how great yep. your sermons are. Yep. It doesn't matter how you can exegete a text and and know Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic and and tell people the great stories of the church fathers if you can't walk out of that office yep. and deal with the realities of human conflict in your organization, your organization will fail. The church will fail. In fact, the Pauline epistles, the letters of Paul, are primarily d- d- uh, disputes that he is trying to settle. Think about that. Some conflict. of the best theology that has ever been done in the church are written scripture is because there was a couple of people were fussing with one another. Hey, we're, some of Chloe's people told me, now yes. let's have a conversation here, you know? Yes. Yeah. And Paul would say, where two or three people are gathered together, mm-hmm. there's going to be a fuss. Mm-hmm. And that's why Jesus is there. Mm-hmm. I always tell people that where two or three are gathered together, there will be Jesus. Well, the reason Jesus showed up was to referee. That's right. Because we can't get along, and that's our problem. That's the human nature. That's yeah. the human condition. Yeah. And so I tell people, if you don't have an organization where people can fuss and fight and love each other afterwards. Now, we just had a meeting this week, and you were in this meeting, where someone in the meeting was really aggravated, and they kind of burst out. I mean, they kind of had an outburst. (laughs) And and then that person looked at me and said, I'm sorry about that. I said, don't be sorry. There has to be places in our organization where you can emote, where you can speak to the level that you feel it. Yep. To, uh, speak to the strength that you feel it. Yep. Without repercussions, without uh, punitive damages being leveled against you, uh, that's a healthy organization. Yep. When when you know how to deal with conflict in your organization, I believe that will allow God to trust you with other leaders. Yeah. And so these two things are the are the things that we are working hard. So that's the first two things. Yeah. Keeping ourselves mm-hmm. healthy as leaders, Jesus first. Secondly, creating a culture where conflict can happen and relationships are not dissolved right. as a result of those conflicts. Yep. So, and I can talk more about that in a future podcast. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds with that, but that that is super mm-hmm. important. Now, here's the last thing: Does everyone have a really have a place at the table in your organization? And this is this is a 21st century question that's being that but, but, but was asked in the first century. Mm-hmm. Can Jews and Greeks, yeah. Gentiles, the rich and the poor, slaves and free people, yeah. can they all come to the church and can they all have a voice and can they have can they have equal weight in the decisions that are being made? And that's really that was the challenge of the early church for sure. Not just can we sit together, oh that was big enough, but can we sit at the table together? Can we oversee things together? And I think about the great example of Acts chapter 7 when the widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food and the apostles appointed folks of Greek-speaking background, background, like their names, like they were the ones in charge of that. So it's not just, I think, I think sometimes when we think of inclusivity, we think, of, well, yeah, we've got lots of different kinds of people with us, but you're talking about something much more robust. We're it's talking not about- just people that could, do we allow black, white, and brown people to sit in the building yep. and have worship services with us? I'm talking about, do we have black, white, and brown people yep. at the decision table? Yep. Old people, older people, wiser people, mm-hmm. um, rich and poor, young and old, black, white, and brown people. Is there really a place for their voice to be heard in your organization? And see, 
I, I've, I just had this conversation recently with a pastor. We all want diversity until diversity happens. Yeah. Until we under, realize the conflict of diversity. Yeah. There's a reason why black people and white people have been at conflict with each other. Yeah. It's the age-old sin issue. But the reason is because we're different. Right. And we we don't know how to handle those differences. Mm-hmm. So it's just easier to divide than it is to sit and have meaningful conversations. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the third thing I would say mm-hmm. to organizations. If you want great leaders to come to your church, yeah. they're going to look at your website, they're going to look at your sermons, yep. they're going to look at your content, and they're going to ask the question, can I bring my diverse opinion yeah. to this organization and will it be respected and yep. received? Yeah. Can I ask you a question related to this? Uh, one of the questions that you have asked us, and I just want to kind of put it back at you, but like, what are we purposely doing in our meetings to ensure that everybody is heard? What are some things that you do to make sure that all of the voices are heard and that the best ideas don't just stay squashed kind of in people's souls or in their minds, but they actually find a voice at the table. Well, the pers- that's why there needs to be someone in charge of every meeting. I think mm-hmm. there has to be, uh, I love the, pl- pl- uh, the plurality of voices, mm-hmm. but there needs to be a decision maker in the room. But that decision maker needs to have the sensitivity yeah. to recognize that not everyone in the room are extroverts. Mm-hmm. I'm an extrovert. Mm-hmm. If I don't make a decision at least once an hour, I get really frustrated. I, I like mm-hmm. making decisions. I'm decisive. But what I've learned as I'm, I'm 55 years old now, and as I've gotten older, I realize that sometimes the best decisions are wrapped up in an introverted world, mm-hmm. and they have to be uh, carefully unwrapped. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes in a meeting, I will pause, and you have to call on people yeah. and ask them for their opinion. And then sometimes they're going to say to you, I need some time to think about this. Yep. So don't get in a hurry with the decision. Make yeah. sure there's time for everyone in the room to process the information. You have, oftentimes I come into the meeting with information that no one else has. Mm-hmm. And so I've had hours and sometimes even days to process the information before I present it to the team. Good. Well, give them the same benefits. good. If you've had hours and days to process the information, give them hours and days to process it. Yeah. And then the best idea normally comes to the surface. Yeah, that's really good. Two things related to that. I was thinking about things that I have sometimes done. One, with the introverts, I have sometimes just made it a point to, after the conversation happens, I'm going to go chase them down and get some one-on-one time with them. Hey, what do you think about how that meeting went? And sometimes the best things, they come out just a little bit after because it took them that long to get their good ideas. Another thing that sometimes I think that uh, leaders can do, and I have done in the past, is uh, prompting people ahead of time. Hey, we're going to have a conversation about X, Y, Z. So be thinking about this ahead of time so that when we come, you're ready to go with your ideas. So sometimes just knowing that people bring different dispositions to the table, we can... We can tilt the table towards that so that we get all the best ideas. We should have another podcast on just how to have a great meeting. But Mm -hmm. one of the things that great meetings is when we get the agenda in advance Mm -hmm. and we know what all the information is given to everyone in advance. That's a good, that's good team culture. When you know what you're going to talk about, you, everyone has the same information and everyone has the same amount of time to process it. All of these things create this healthy soil. And when that healthy soil is present in your church, here's the, here's the guarantee God will send every church, big or small or medium-sized, God will send healthy leaders to healthy churches. Mm -hmm. That is a guarantee.